Hi, this is Dr. Tom Rogers at Performance Medicine coming to you today with a very special follow-up podcast. If you notice to my left, Dr. Dan Bolton, Ph.D. chemist, um, very intellectual guy. You know, he looks like a rocker, and he really is, and he has a radio voice and a rocker voice, and here I've got a plain hillbilly voice. But anyway. <laughs> I don't know about that. See, you see what I'm saying? But we're both high thinkers, so you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. I think we are. Wouldn't you say we're high thinkers? High thinkers. Very intellectual. Intellectual and very deep. And yet with common sense. Very Mostly common yes. sense. That's why I call this a Common Sense MD podcast. So what I'm trying to do is interpret for you the difficult and bring it to you in a simplified form, which doctors don't do enough of. No. But anyway, Dan and I have very similar philosophies on our healthcare system, which I rant and rave about all the time, as you know, if you are listening to my podcast or come to see me as a patient. But I've kind of described myself as a blend between traditional and alternative. And that's plays into what we're going to talk about tonight, because you really need to go back and see Dan's first podcast about a year and a half ago with Ben and outside the box on his journey with cancer and how he battled it, cured it, uh, half, half himself, really. And it became a blend of the traditional treatment and also alternative. So in my opinion, you saved your own life with your lovely wife, Leah. Absolutely. But uh, when you had chemo brain and oh, she yes. did all the research. But, but in, in any event, uh, it's great to have you here. You look like you're feeling great. Can you kind of give us a brief summary of what you had kind of what you did, and bring us up to date on how you're feeling now, two years later. Sure. So it's actually three years, praise the Lord, because in 2019, I was uh, diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma at the base of my tongue. So that means way down here, not this tip, way at the base. And uh, and that was caused by the human papillona virus, yep. which is becoming more and more common. It's thought to be the number one cause of cancer in women for uh, uh, cervical, cervical cancer, cancer yeah. and the number one cause of throat cancer in men, especially yeah. for yeah. those who don't smoke. So went through that, had a lymph node, very swollen lymph node on my neck and went through the traditional uh, chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, and that was uh, really, really tough. But then we found some alternative treatments that really helped, uh, I believe helped uh, to make that go away. So now three years later, yeah, because I was diagnosed, yeah, it would be three years that I've been cancer free. Congratulations for one thing. Thank you I mean, very you much. You look very fit. You're healthy. You know, a healthy lifestyle goes a long way to curing and preventing cancer. And I do believe you can cure cancer. Oh, yes. Like Leo was saying, if you ever go to an oncologist and, the, and they tell you there's nothing we can do, find another one. Or at least put up with that and get another doctor to look at it from a second opinion sure. at least. Because a lot of medicine is opinion. There's a million different things. It changes every day. And there's a lot of cures that are really outside the box that I know work. First of all, don't smoke, don't get obese, live a healthy lifestyle. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of cancer uh, for a lot of different reasons, um, I, which I won't get into a lot tonight. But um, in any event, um, there are alternative treatments. And what I want to ask you, Dan, is... When you first came down with cancer, what were your feelings? Uh, were you scared? Oh, were you... yeah, I was going to say, besides fear, yeah, yes, that yeah. uh, probably fear is the biggest one, right? And you know, now, shout out to you, Tom, because if you, if you guys out there do have a physician that won't talk to you, 
that's kind of a red flag. And you yeah. are one of the few that will actually sit and talk and discuss different treatment plans and things like that. So shout out to you for being pretty cool. Oh, thank you. I hate it when a doctor says, I'm the doctor, you're the patient. Yep. And that happens all the time. When that happens to one of my patients that they come from another doctor, I say, please find a new doctor. Yep. That's no kind of attitude. It should be, hey, I'm a, I'm a doctor, you're my patient. Let's make some mutual decisions and I want to respect your feelings and I want to do what you want to do. I'll give you my opinion, but regardless of what you think, I'm going to work with you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want traditional treatment, we'll go with alternative. I mean, it's sure. up to you. This is your body. It's your decision. It's not the doctors only. Yep. So if you ever get somebody that's bullheaded enough as a doctor to tell you something like that, please, there are other doctors out there that will actually listen to you and maybe consider alternative treatments. I have a lot of people that come to me. I'm not an oncologist. I'm a family doc with a fellowship in integrative functional medicine, which basically means trying to find out why you have this in the first place instead of just writing a pill for every little diagnosis we make up. But in any event, cancer is one of those things that's very scary. You know, it's second behind heart disease and, and deaths. But as I've been practicing 36 years and I've heard stories like yours a lot of times, and, you know, we, we do a lot of outside-the-box things with mm -hmm. cancer patients. And we can't go around claiming IV vitamin C cures cancer. But, and there's a couple of things I would do right off the bat if, if I was diagnosed with cancer. And one of them, I'd probably get on a ketogenic-type diet. Mm -hmm. I'd make sure my diet was so perfectionist you wouldn't believe it. And then I'd probably do IV vitamin C. And then I would probably do something like fembendazole something well. that really i mean the stories it's interesting that dan has really because of his journey he's been so good with other people through the church and through work and all that have come down with cancer and kind of helping them out in addition to their traditional treatment i mean if you have a solid tumor there get it cut out if there's chemo that may be effective mm -hmm. take it but there's other things you can do as well you may not be able to tolerate the chemo Chemo tends to kill a lot of the cells, even the normal ones. Other things avoid killing the normal cells out. So give, it, give me a feeling for kind of what you've learned through talking mm -hmm. with other mm -hmm. patients. I know you've, you've helped several. You can give a couple examples of some of the ones that you've turned on to this and their cancers have disappeared. Yes. Well, let me back up to the feeling part because I got one other thing I wanted to add if that's all right. Because yeah. besides the fear, it's like make, people make you feel like a clock is ticking. It's like it's taken you that long to, to develop this cancer. Everybody, whenever you go to the doctor, they'll tell you, you got to start tomorrow. And so I, I would encourage people just to take a step back, try to gather your thoughts, try to get past the fear, and then think about these other things. So, one of, so to your question about alternative treatments, we, I do take fenbendazole. Uh, I still take it today. So even three years later, I take it uh, Monday through Friday in the morning. People say, is that necessary? Now hold it, hold it. Oh, Isn't that oh. a horse dewormer? Well, that one technically is a dog dewormer, but you <laughs> dog, could use it on right. a horse. You that's could right. use it on a horse. It's actually used in humans. It's called mubendazole. Mm -hmm. That's the animal form. It's the same thing. It's just about a tenth of the price, but it's Correct. a legitimate human medicine that we use all the time. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I'm sorry. So that is, that is true. And so with the fenbendazole, so I did start taking fenbendazole when about halfway through. And that's if you look at the last podcast, we talk about that and how fast I saw results in the actual tumor in my lymph node 
or g decrease in size. Mm -hmm. And so I still to this day take it. And, you know, and one of the things we like to share is what happened, what I went through. So we've actually helped people in the Tri-Cities area and also as far out as New Zealand to help them with their cancer. And, I, and I'm, I'm with you. There is no magic bullet. But whenever we talk about these things, we think about like high dose vitamin C, fenbendazole, and really ask the question from a toxicity standpoint, what does it hurt? Yeah, right. There's no promises, but it's not going to do any harm. Plus, it's very inexpensive. It's very inexpensive. It's not $10,000 a dose like no. a lot of chemos. Correct. And so we've seen, we've seen a lot of success with uh, uh, some uh, lung cancer patients where they've started taking this. They've done the PET scan. They see the activity. But then whenever they go in to have the lymph nodes removed or whatever, biopsied, they have a very difficult time finding it. Or they find no cancer at all. Mm -hmm. Stage okay. 4 liver cancer uh, went to nothing. And, and so people may ask, well, how do you know the fenbendazole is doing that? In that case, he took no chemo, no alternative medicines because he couldn't do it. Plus, who cares? Well, yeah, plus, who cares? And then he, stopped, he started taking the fenbendazole, and the tumor started shrinking, and he thought he was out of, out of the hot water or high water, and uh, he stopped taking it, and then the tumor started coming back and then started taking the fenbendazole again. And then they went away completely. Wasn't there another case where a patient or one of your friends had pancreatic cancer yes. and also diabetes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when you told me that story, not only did his pancreatic cancer disappear entirely, his diabetes got better, probably from fembendazole. I don't know what else could have done it. The doctors were stupefied. Absolutely. And, and not only, you know, as we walked through his progress, he had actually had pancreatic cancer before went through the traditional chemotherapy and when he started the chemotherapy again he almost died because his kidney started shutting down and his body just rejected it completely so he came to us and said i don't even know what to do and so he started taking it and then they went back as he as he progressed through it it went from the normal tumor like a golf ball went down to about a raisin and then completely went away and they were stupefied because they said it's not that you don't have cancer it's that we see no trace of cancer and of course, he went from like 0.05% insulin up production up to like 65. That's just amazing. Which was, yeah. you know, when he asked me, he said, what does this do for diabetes? And it's like, I have no idea. Yeah, so, there's some people that think that most cancers are caused by worms or parasites. Could be. Um, I don't know about that. I think there's a lot of other things that can cause it, like smoking. Well, yeah. but, well uh, and like mine was caused from the virus. And they yeah, know and that viruses. HPV leads to cancer in a very small percentage of people. I just read a fascinating book. It's kind of controversial, but you, you need to read this book. It's called Dr. Mary's Monkey. Okay. And I wasn't even going to mention this. It just made me think of it. But it's a fascinating book about how they were doing simian monkey viral research back in the early 60s. It's a fascinating book because it goes all the way to Oswald and the Kennedy assassinations it may have been tied in with that. A lot of people think that there was a conspiracy, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. But anyway, it was fascinating how they they try to take a virus in monkeys and put it through a linear accelerator to cause cancers. Wow! Uh, to use as bioweapons, they were they've been doing that for decades. Yep. And a lot of people think that if you read this book, that that's where a lot of the tumors and 
even HIV comes from. Yep. I mean, a lot of this stuff's really man-made, to be honest with you. But um, and I, again, I don't want to get into a controversial mm-hmm. topic here because we'll get censored. <laughs> but uh, in any event, <laughs> Dr. Mary's Monkey is one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. It takes place in New Orleans where Oswald happened to be living, mm-hmm. and it has to do with Tulane University was involved in it. And at the time, I guess they thought it was a legitimate research. They still have these simian labs all over the country, and they induce these viruses in them to study biologic weapons. Yep. And, you know, maybe trying to find a vaccine that will cure, you know, in case it gets unleashed, at least we'll have a vaccine for <laughs> it. Right. I mean, see where that That's going to cost you how much? Yes. Yeah, I mean, but in any event, off the subject. So you've helped a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, which I really praise you for. But there's, there's just something about the way I like to practice medicine. The more I do it, you know, I came from a medical family. I've been doing this so many years. I really have evolved into a much more open skeptic. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors are trained to be skeptical. Sure. You know, I'm an MD. You're a PhD. I don't care what you are. If you can help a patient... I don't care what qualifications you have, I'm going to use it. Yep. You know, especially when something like cancer's in there and you don't give the patient hope because there always is hope sure. when you get a diagnosis of anything. But um, so I, I rail a lot about the medical system. I mean, everybody that's watching this knows this, but we have a very broken medical care system. I mean, it's just awful. I mean, the last three years, it's been proven. It's awful. Who can you trust? Right. Um, so uh, what I'm trying to do this podcast with Dan is try to open up your eyes a little bit and, you know, look at other, take other opinions. Certainly, I, this is not medical advice for anybody right now other than go to a doctor that will listen to you and will consider things if they're not going right in the in the traditional sense sure words of wisdom from you you obviously you're doing great would you do anything different if you uh, now knowing what you know anything at all differently i mean it sounds like you did it perfectly well now again what i like to tell people your medical choices are completely up to you right and but me if i had to do it again now i didn't I, i we did not know about a lot of the alternative treatments until i was already under the normal traditional treatment system so if i had to do it all over again i might start with some non-traditional things just for a a few weeks because it's it's whenever you get that cancer diagnosis first off internally besides the fear you you're wanting to say i want this out this is something foreign and i want it gone and believe me that cancer's been cooking for a while it's been cooking it's not anything that came overnight no just just for a timing they've done it for hpv the cook time is 10 to 15 years yeah look at prostate cancer yeah it's a very slow growing cancer as are most cancers yep you know but so you would consider doing that maybe and looking at lifestyle what about in lifestyle? Yes. What about prevention of cancer? Now you, well, you don't think about prevention, I think, until you have it. So, I mean, from an encouragement perspective, I do, I agree with you. I mean, for people to take the preventive steps today is probably the most important thing. Keeping your body healthy, keeping your immune system strong. Cause honestly, from the stuff that I've read, I do feel as though cancer is kind of a breakdown of your immune system. Yeah. 
We're making yeah. cancer cells every single day. Yeah. We have mechanisms in our right. body. We've been created in a great way to fight those to fight those cancer cells that are being made. And I think whenever that cancer takes takes hold, something happened in your immune system to not see that stuff. I want to give you a word of wisdom, especially what's, with what's happened in the last few years. Don't mess with your immune system, mm -mm. if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, but in any event, uh, so think outside the box. Always have hope. Live a healthy lifestyle. Yep. You know, I mean, because it's going to prevent heart disease. It's going to prevent cancer. Plus, you can be happier. Yep. You know, your life, you want to look at that health span, which is a period of time when you feel great because we're all going to die. You know, and you want that period of time when you're living, you want to live. <laughs> right. You don't want to live the last 10 years of your life, you know, with end-stage cancer or heart disease, not being able to walk around or think or do any of that. There's one other little herb I want to ask you about. Okay. I always have a hard time pronouncing it because it's another one that I think besides, you know, the anti-parasite sure. drugs like is, is artemisinin. Artemisinin. Tell me about that a little bit. Artemisinin comes from the sweet wormwood, and if you look at Revelation, they talk about sweet worm or the wormwood tainting the waters because there is absolutely nothing sweet about it. It is a very horrible herb that Did you tastes take bad. That as well? Yes, yes, yes. We still, we those still, are the two biggies that you. Those took. are two biggies, okay. and you know, and the, and the funny part is that's the other word of wisdom I'd give people is whenever these things happen, do your research. I'm a scientist by training, so I don't have a problem reading a lot of scientific journals, but I encourage people to, to take the time to read the research that's out there. Don't use Facebook. Don't use social media. I mean, it's a good place to start, but, get, but get, really understand the background because artemisinin is an amazing compound that has been used for many, many, many years. That I did a podcast on it. If you look back, yeah. but I, I was amazing. You're the actually one that told me about it. Yeah, but it's it, I mean it's amazing the way it works, the way it you know for anything that has high iron uh, in, in the system, that is what artemisinin works for. Which cancer usually has very high iron content. Cancer loves two things: sugar and iron. Mm -hmm. And so then these and again this is a natural plant. So yeah. I mean you can yeah. in fact we grew it. Uh, in our backyard you can grow it yourself you grew it in your backyard. oh yeah yeah and that's how you got it well no we got the powder too okay but you can't yeah. but we did we did grow it and you can grind it and make teas out of it and take it any way you can where did you get the fembendazole uh when i started mm -hmm. uh, chewy.com is that crazy well it because it, it's it, the same thing as mabendazole except about uh, affordable right i mean i prescribe Really, I prescribed mabendazole for a patient a few months ago for pinworms. We use it in little yep. kids for pinworms. That's how safe it was. They called up. They could not afford it. Oh, yeah. The price back in 30 years ago when I did it for kids, I did a lot of pediatric stuff back then. I mean, it was pennies. Now it's $500. 500 bucks a dose. Well, and there are, and there are for you know, pinworms. and people ask, you know, what's, what is it? The, the, the bendazole family, there's like, there's eight medicinal compounds within that. Albendazole, Mubendazole, Fenbendazole, and a whole bunch of other bendazoles. And so, but 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 the Mubendazole is more for people. The Fenbendazole is more for animals. Yeah, I think there's a a little bit of difference in it, but not so much. To if you're interested in the difference, please reach out to me, and I'll show you the uh, chemical difference. It's kind of like the difference between uh, Levitra and uh, uh, Viagra. Yeah, you know, very very yeah. subtle differences, but all of those Bendazole chemicals have a slightly different formula and most of that surprisingly enough is by is for patent reasons yeah yeah money's always involved isn't it yep is money the root of all evil 
Well, that's what mom and dad say. I don't know. I've never had it, so I can't tell you. <laughs> she has. <laughs> I have neither. I have neither. I don't know what it's like to have it. But uh, but I will happy. add one more thing, though. So for people that do want to know more about it, they, there are actually, the medical community is actually studying the mubendazoles for cancers. Now, Didn't it come out of that key true to research, the, the mess you see on TV all the time? Oh, yeah. Uh, that fights lung cancer, I think maybe. Well, all, lots of different types. Yeah. So the, the didn't the research on that come from there? Well, the guy who kind of kicked it off, Joe Tippins, yeah. he was one of the first candidates for Keytruda before it became commercial. Tell me his story. So Joe Joe Tippins had uh, stage four cancer. What kind was it? It was everywhere at that point. I don't know which where it, and where it originated from, but he was completely covered in cancer. And he w went down to MD Anderson, and they said, look, we can't do anything. But you, you've got a few months to live. We can put you on these uh, experimental things, which was Keytruda. Uh, he was from Oklahoma, and so we didn't know him. Uh, I'm from Oklahoma. And so whenever he went back to Oklahoma, he had a veterinarian friend that said, hey, I want you to try something. Because he had heard some studies from Merck on how mice that were infected with cancer cells ended up getting worms, and they went back and gave them uh, the fenbendazole. Worms went away, but the cancer went away too. And they couldn't even, whenever they were on the panicure, they could not inoculate the mice with cancer cells. Wow. So he went back and said, well, I'll give it a shot. So he started taking the fenbendazole, did not tell his oncologist. He was the only one out of 1,500 people that survived. Gosh, 1,100, I was corrected by my lovely 11, bride. 1,100. That is just phenomenal. Yep. Wow. So that's, that's kind of, that's how we learned about it. And, but now as, as more and more people learn, it's becoming more and more prevalent, which is why I think some of the research is actually taking place. There's a great paper out there talking about mubendazole and how it affects prostate cancer. So we have seen, and we've seen it too, where people have come in with high PSA levels. I think you mentioned one had a PSA level of 5,000. Yeah. It well, went to four? Yeah, two. Now is it two? That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and you just don't see that kind of thing. Well, and we saw another one where he had, he had esophageal cancer. He's our neighbor, and, and, but he also had a PSA levels of like 200, which is pretty high. Yeah, very high. That's definitely cancer. And so, they're, and so they were sitting there trying to, you know, they were saying, let's focus on the esophageal stuff. Well, he's, he's taking fenbendazole, and his PSA levels went back down to two as well that's just phenomenal i yep. mean so that, but there is a but there are papers out there that they are starting to, to look at it and research it more one thing i know if a pharmaceutical company's involved if there's any potential money in it they're going to get their hands on it well that's an interesting one because it's specific for mubendazole yep. not fenbendazole yeah yeah because fenbendazole is about cheap 50 cents a dose Mubendazole is like five hundred. Five hundred dollars a dose. It's mm -hmm. just incredible. I rant a lot on prices of drugs, which I, you'll see if you watch my podcast. It's unbelievable greed. But anyway, so I hope I'm not offending any oncologists that may oh. be watching this. They're probably not going to be watching anyway. <laughs> I hope they are because I hope you want to work with the patient. That's all. your only goal should be to help that patient. I mean, that's why we're doctors, absolutely, you know. But um, you're pretty cool because. You're sitting here because most of my chemical engineers and my chem, my Ph.D. chemist friends, which I have several because we live in a chemical-related oh, town, yeah. um, they're kind of nerdy, really, to be honest. And they're very stubborn. They don't believe anything you say 
unless they have a double-blind, placebo-controlled trial. They're, they're the most skeptical people I've ever seen. Plus, they all have short hair and they wear pocket protectors. <laughs> well, my, my, I left and, my pocket protector in the car. <laughs> and here you are with long hair, no pocket protector. Plus, you play guitar. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, anybody that plays guitar, in my opinion, you know, because I like to play guitar, it's got to be. It has to have something going for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, high level. Oh, we're back to the high level. Yeah. Absolutely. The musical minds. Of Everything. Music. Okay. Creativity. Well, hey, I think we need to go jam a little bit tonight. Absolutely. So this is Dr. Dan Bolton, very good friend, and you know you've just been wonderful for a lot of people, and I really appreciate your first, first podcast with Ben, and this one with me. It's just incredible. Let's do it again. Absolutely. We'll keep people up to date on other things to think outside the box with, especially cancer. Uh, so this is Dr. Tom Rogers at the Common Sense MD. Dan, thank you. Thank Leah, you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.